0: Making the world a better place, (laughs) one show at a time. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now, the George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. (laughs) All right. Chicago's finest internet radio show making a world a better place one show at a time the George Warner Jr. show is now on the air take it away dad I got it D <laughs> <laughs> oh okay <laughs> thanks everybody for coming into the George Warner Jr. show I do appreciate your time and I do appreciate your Thank you. Thank you. I know that's in your hearts that, that's a clip but I know that's what some of you are thinking you want to applaud. And I I, uh, I totally applaud that you want to applaud. Uh, anyway, uh, you're listening to the George Wanda Jr. Show, broadcasting out of the city of Chicago. It is sunshiny, but it's kind of cool, but it is spring-like day. And we are blessed for that. We're great to have that, uh, especially after some of the you know, the disasters that are going around in America, especially in Hawaii. Wow, lava. They had an earthquake. A lava, and then there's this expetus uh, getting out. You know, uh, it's horrible. I mean, it's totally horrible. I always thought of Hawaii as a beautiful, beautiful place. It's an island surrounded by water. Isn't that beautiful? And uh, it it was always uh, paradise. And some people still think of Hawaii as paradise. However, paradise is in trouble. And a lot of us gonna to have to pray for those people over in Hawaii. And if there's anybody listening in Hawaii, and I don't see why not, to the George Wilder Jr. Show, you have our condolences if there has been any loss of life, and you have you have the prayers of the George Wilder Jr. Show. To hopefully things will get better, but things like this happen. I'm hearing this hasn't happened since 1970s in the 70s, um, but it has uh, kind of sort of reoccurred. And uh, it, it's awful. It's awful. And um, it, it's, it's bad for America, you know. So all those folks in Hawaii, stay safe, be safe. If you have to evacuate, do what you're told. Uh, there's a lot of people who want to stay and go down with the ship. If you don't, you don't, I mean, why would you want to do that? You can always rebuild. Uh, things aren't that bad. You, you, you escape with your life. So you, have, you can do this again. You know, rebuild live to rebuild and this time rebuild and do it a lot better so you know i mean hey wow you're young you're you're healthy you're bright i mean you're successful you're talented live to rebuild but still in all we're going to send our prayers from the george Wanda junior show to all of those folks who are in harm's way who were in harm's way some people have escaped some people decided to go down with the ship uh you're still going to be getting some prayers from the George Water Journey Show. All right. Okay, that's Hawaii because it's, uh, the lava is still burning from, from what I'm hearing uh, and reading uh, at this moment. But uh, I don't know if it's, if it's contained or not, you know, uh, you know, but I'm just hoping people, as I've said, people get out of, get out of harm's way and live to rebuild, real, live to reclaim what you lost. Okay, All right. The George Wanda Jr. show is now on the air, broadcasting live out of the city of Chicago. Like I said before, the weather is great, and I hope the weather, wherever you are in the world, I hope it's great, too. Be joyful. Be thankful. Uh, uh, If you're not joyful and thankful, do not be depressed. Do not feel as if you're worthless. Nobody's worthless. Uh, If you're getting older and older and older, uh, uh, being old is not... A death sentence being old is not the time to uh, uh, become depressed because you're not young anymore you've lost your good looks they've faded in time with your age uh, stay positive because you know being old uh, 60 70 80 90 being old is just another you're just starting your life again in another uh, in another area and getting old doesn't mean that your knees are going to ache. They can. They will if you don't do the right thing, but they don't have to. Your knees can ache at the age of 25, 27, uh, 37, 47. It depends on what you're doing with your body. Yours truly, I'm trying to lose some belly fat. <laughs> I got some belly fat here, folks, that I'm trying to take off because I want to look good in the videos. I mean, you 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 want to look good, you got to take off that belly fat. and it's. I'm learning that it's not hard. It's not hard to lose weight, to lose belly, belly fat. You just have to sacrifice a few things and be dedicated and driven, ambitious, and just take it on off. You know, we're going to miss a lot of the, uh, the donuts and stuff like that. But uh, like I said, I have belly fat here. I'm not, uh, I'm not better than anyone else. I'm no better than you are. I've, I'm pretty huge. Uh, Not that big. I'm not so big as that. My son reminds me of it every day. You know, daddy, your belly is hanging. And so (laughs) uh, I'm not losing because of because of what he thinks. I don't care what he thinks. It's what I think of myself and it's what you think of yourself. Don't let other other people dictate how you want to look. You dictate how you want to look and I'm dictating how I want to look. (laughs) All right, we're going to be right back. We're going to do this, and we shouldn't be. Oh, somebody's at the door. Is that right? Okay, we're going to be right back. Hang in there, (laughs) folks. Oh yeah, just like I just got through—if uh, I said that correctly—moments uh, ago, I was talking about Hawaii, and it is more of a nightmare than what I what I uh, imagine. I mean, I'm looking at a photograph here. I see nothing but hot, burning lava uh, in the roadways. It's all over the roadways—hot, burning, fiery lava—and uh, and I'm thinking, wow i didn't touch it uh i didn't touch on the uh monstrosity of a of it all i didn't touch on the the monstrous uh these monstrous monstrous if i can say pictures uh, uh photographs that's coming out of uh uh hawaii on this thing wow this is as if it's it, it's remind it reminds me of something that could have happened happened in one of my books or one of my stories <laughs> but this is real uh and they're calling it Hawaii Nightmare. Man, this is something. And it's uh, it's headlines. All right, photos and videos capture Hawaii lava consuming car, destroying buildings. Officials can't predict when the volcano uh, threat will die down. They don't know when this, this thing, this threat, this monstrous um, lava that's consuming everything Uh, and destroying buildings is going to let up. Wow, this is something. This is probably the worst volcano um, eruption in um, Hawaii, whichever one comes first. Um, History. A video of lava divulging a car during Hawaii's volcano eruption and other staggering photos provide a grim look at how powerful the spewing molten rock is. That's the volcano. Mm. It's it's more than um this is more than insane. The video is insane showing us everything, and this is not a movie. This is not special effects, this is real. All right, since it first began spewing lava into the residential areas on Thursday, the volcano has forced about uh, 1,700 evacuations as it blanketed the island's uh, district, destroyed, uh, at least 35 structures and forced roadways closures. Authorities have identified the emergence of 10 uh, fossils, elongated fractures, or cracks in the earth's surface from the lava. Man, from the hot, burning lava. Officials said Sunday it was impossible to predict when the destruction volcanic activity would cease. They don't know when it's going to uh, end. And this is totally, totally bad. This is totally, totally bad. It, it, it's awful, folks. And I know some people have lost their homes. Remember the, um, the um, Hawaiian—not uh, the Hawaiian, but the California fires. I mean, you know, it was—it was called California burning. I mean, the fires were just enormous. And thousands and thousands of homes were destroyed, and you, you just felt for those folks because, you know, um, and some people went down. Some people lost their lives. They, they refused to leave their homes, and they were burned to crisp, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but a lot of people got out and uh, lost everything, their homes, everything. I mean, they lost it all. And uh, and I've said when I came on the radio, I think that the that evening, and I said that this this kind of thing could happen to anybody, anybody, no matter how, who you are, what you have, where you live, you could lose everything and end up in the streets, homeless, homeless. If you don't have relatives or friends that might take you in or might help you out a little bit, but there's a lot of people who live alone, and they don't have anybody they can call, uh, anybody that they can call for help. And this reminds me of some of the same things that, you know, uh, there's a lot of people who live alone and they don't have anybody to call for help. The only people that can give them help are probably the first responders, the firefighters, the police officers, tell them where where they can go and find shelter after they've lost everything. You just have to feel for those folks. And the George Wilder Jr. show feels, uh, uh, for anybody who has uh, lost everything, believe me, I know, I know all about it, but sometimes people, they don't have the um, talent or the wherewithal to try to regain and build their lives. I mean, at, in some points, people when people lose everything, it's gone, it's lost, but there are those who with talent and ambition and drive, they're able to rebuild and in some cases, rebuild a lot of, uh, they're rebuilding a lot better than what they've already lost. Um, yeah, it's it's breaking news here on Huffington Post, and I'm looking at another picture, folks. The folks, uh, folks, the pictures out of Hawaii are horrendous. If you want to see these pictures, these photographs of the Hawaiian lava in the middle of a roadway, in the middle of the park, and it's like, it reminds me of a character that i I'm not making light of it, but it reminds me of a character that I invented in a in a small story that I'm writing, actually. But this is real. this is This is uh, lava pouring out of a volcano onto the Hawaiian streets, the railroads, the parks, engulfing, engulfing and swallowing up cars and buildings. Uh, it's one disaster after another in America. And you know what I haven't heard Donald Trump say one thing about it. That's one of the things Donald Trump does, he stays quiet. I'm pretty sure he may have tweeted something, but it takes more than a tweet when people have lost everything, but you know, Donald Trump, I don't know. It takes more than a tweet or or just more than just giving it lip service, which he's done in a lot of these instances. And in some cases He hasn't said anything. He hasn't mentioned anything because he doesn't care. He just doesn't give a damn. But these pictures, these pictures are really, really um, awesome in a way that they're they're just detailing everything in high definition. These pictures are totally awesome. But you you feel that a lot of people have lost everything. And I'm just repeating myself because um, I think I it's it's worthy of repeating this incident and you know it's the top of the news it's 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 breaking news and this my understanding this this has been wow i'm looking at another photograph here folks it looks like this one looks as if it could have been fireworks on 4th of july but this is a lot better than fireworks on uh, at least the appearance of it a lot of uh, better uh, you can see the uh, palm trees uh, you know Hawaii. You know it's an island full of palm trees, and you can see that the lava. This is at night, and the lava is just lighting up the palm trees, and it looks like uh, 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 embers, burning embers, or something to that effect. Uh, it's and it's something else, and I'm hearing that a lot of people have uh, evacuated uh, Hawaii. Okay. Lava erupts from, uh, and it, I, I believe this started on Saturday, Saturday where it actually erupted um, in the state of Hawaii. Beautiful pictures, but, you know, they're, they're, they're not so beautiful to those who have lost everything in this uh, devastating uh, volcano eruption. A column of robust reddish brown ash Plum looms over the big island on Friday. I mean, here is an aerial view of, uh, of Hawaii being smothered. I mean, engulfed. Surrounded by robust reddish-brown bellowing ash. And it looks thick. It looks thick. You know? And um, it's, a, it's a beautiful place. I don't think this volcano... Is going to really ruin it, and you have pe- people. Um, a man watches as lava spews from. Okay, people are taking photographs. People are uh, creating videos from this, so they can probably show the uh, uh, media, the news outlets who are reporting on this. They need photographs, and but it's 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 something. It is something. Okay, visitors from you know. Places within, you know, summit, uh, you know, reopen. Okay, some places are reopening, I'm hearing. But the lava, the volcanic is still spitting out the uh, uh, hot lava. I was mentioning earlier, people are taking photos of lava as it streams, rises from the, um, you know, on Friday. Wow. And I've said before, if you're in Hawaii, uh, the George Wilder Jr. Show goes out to all of those folks who have been upended, lost everything. And uh, I'm pretty sure that island will be back on its feet again pretty soon. There's one thing can get uh, this um, lava eruption from this volcano under control. And like I said before, uh, the George Wilder Jr. Show is wishing everybody uh, – uh, speedy recovery, uh, and, you know, um, stay in Hawaii, stay there, stay, stay with your home, stay, stay, don't run from your uh, island, don't run from Hawaii, don't stay there and, uh, rebuild, rebuild, that's what you can do, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful place, a place that a lot of us <laughs> dreamed about going for vacations, and, um, to, to know something like this is happening, it, 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 it kind of breaks your heart. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. Folks, um, We there's a lot of devastation in, in Hawaii, and I think everybody out there should send their uh, condolences uh, if there's any, any loss of life and send their prayers and even send a little money. Give a little of your time to help Hawaii rebuild. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to help Hawaii rebuild. Tell no- Four women accuse the New York, uh, New York Attorney General of sexual abuse. Okay, Four women accuse a New York Attorney General of sexual abuse. This is something. This is breaking news, folks. Breaking news. I'm pretty sure that this uh, New York attorney is a Republican. <laughs> let's see what it says. Let's, let's click on the article here all right New York attorney general uh, New York Attorney General Eric uh, Snyderman accused of physical abuse The New Yorker has vetted four women's account vetted means that they've gone over uh, they looked into it they researched their uh, claims that this guy physically abused them and they found it to be true okay this the four women who are who have come forward they have been vetted So this is not just some people saying this out of the blue. Their claims have been proven. Their claims were researched. And their claims were reported and printed in the uh, New Yorker. Okay. And he looks like he, I mean, if you look at this guy, his eyes are all bucked and wide and (laughs) who me? You know, four women who have been romantically involved, okay, with New York Attorney General Eric Snyderman, Oh, he's a Democrat. Pardon me. He's a Democrat. Uh, You know, I'm going to say this again, folks. Whether you're a Democrat, Republican, independent, if you do something that's underhanded, you commit a crime, you uh, sexual misconduct, you should lose your job. Okay, okay. Uh, Eric Snyderman, Democrat, has They have come forward with an accusation that he physically abused them, according to accounts published by the New Yorker on Monday. Two of the women, Michelle Manning and Tanya, I can't pronounce her last names, Salvertum or whatever, told the outlet that um, he repeatedly hit them, often after drinking, frequently in bed, and never with their consent, forcing him to seek medical attention. Manning, she recounted Snyderman shaking, Snyderman, um, I'm quoting here, shaking me and grabbing my face, demanding that she repeat lines as such as, I'm a little whore. Wow. And threatening her that, I'm quoting, if you ever left me, I will kill you. This sounds like somebody's pimp. Sounds like a pimp. (laughs) Snyderman's relationship with the two women occurred between 2013 and 2017. The New Yorker has vetted two other women with similar accounts. They choose to remain unidentified. The women said they were motivated to share their stories after witnessing Snyderman become a vocal advocate against sexual misconduct. Okay. Uh, during the rise of the me too movement in recent months so this guy he's gonna become a sexual advocate when he's a when he is a predator that is something that is something okay all right you're on the george wilder jr show go right ahead you're on or are or, or are you just listening it doesn't matter okay we're gonna go We're going to cut it off right here. We're going to go. All righty. Lively talk and commentary on the George Wander Jr. Show. Thanks for calling in, even though you didn't say anything. But uh, it, this is the George Wander Jr. Show. It's all about making the world a better place uh, one show at a time. And that's what it's all about. All right. Hate has no home here. Lies have no home here. Be good to one another out there, folks. Be good to one another. Help someone out. Legitimately, have someone out who needs uh, your help. Even sometimes, you even gotta vet the people that you're trying and wanting to help, because there's so many people. There's so many people out here being scammed into helping folks who they think are in need, and you find out these folks are not in need. For example, um, it's this little old lady that comes out uh, on the street corners. And she looks like she's about 75, 85 years old, somewhere between there. And she just comes out from somewhere. And she just stands on the corner and begs for money. Everybody's wants to give her something. Everybody gives her something. Because what? She's a little old lady. She's uh, She appears to be homeless. And she just stands out there, you know, in a little walker. Uh, you know, sometimes she stands, sometimes she sits. But anyway, she begs. And uh, people give her money. You know, they give her money every time they pass her by. She'll she'll say, you got a dollar, you got a dollar, you got two dollars. And a lot of people, if they have the money on them, they will give it to her because she's a little old lady and they think they're helping her and uh, resolving some of her needs. But let me tell you, they're not. She's, not a, she's a little old lady, but she has a condo right around the corner. And she's probably retired and getting Social Security. But, you know, I discovered that. I said, wow, I'm giving her two, three bucks, you know, every time I see her. And and I discovered that she lives in a condo uh, (laughs) around the corner from me. And I'm saying, what the hell? You know, and I I guess she just comes out every day and she just stands on the corner and just feels like she just want to take advantage of people who uh, have something. But I've always said this. I don't give money to beggars or panhandlers anymore. I don't, I don't do that because you're not really helping them. If you're giving them money, you're not really helping them. But there's so many people, so many good-hearted people, so many soft-hearted people. They see a homeless person on the street on the corner begging for money with their hand. They'll go in their pockets, not realizing that they're actually making the situation worse. But... You know, and, and, and in some cases, you can't even talk to them and tell them. They feel that they're, giving, they're helping this person out because this person is homeless, this person is you know, mentally uh, ill or something, and they're helping them out. No, they're not. You're making this situation worse. This is what I do. If I'm going to help out people who are homeless, I'll give the money to an organization that is geared to those kinds of things, instead of giving it to the person directly because you, know, you never know what they're going to do with that money. Go buy a bottle of wine or you know, get a bag of potato chips or something, something that's unhealthy. So that's what I do. I, I don't give beggars uh, 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 change or, or money anymore. I just take that and give that money to an organization that caters to those kinds of people for their needs. That's what I do. All right, you've been listening to The George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. Hey, you! You! You're back on the air. You on the George the uh, yeah. Junior
1: Show? Oh uh, yeah, um, I'm just trying to, you know, enjoy, you know, the show, you and everything. You, you know, I don't have nothing in particular. <laughs> so.
0: Okay, so I, uh, you, you just wanna lay back and just enjoy the show. I, I can, uh, I can uh, uh, arrange that.
1: Hey, look, but I tell you what, I tell you what, this what's been burning me up. I just found this out, right? I fooled around with uh-huh. YouTube, right? And I saw the little brother, right? He was saying how somebody was dropping crates of assault rifles and bullets and things, right? And, and yeah. what, he me, what he said, me, of all the black professionals out there, you know, uh, uh, and, and saying, you know, why have nobody put together a black independent investigation and see who who doing this?
0: Yeah, that sounds a black independent investigation. That sounds like something that might work. Why is this? Why is something like this on YouTube? I imagine something like this is all over YouTube. Uh, YouTube found found out about it. They probably would delete it.
1: Yeah, yes. Because, look, you know you know about the owners of YouTube, right? Um, huh? The, yeah, the, yeah. The, the wife the wife of one of them on a gene bank. And that that they got a company in uh, Israel, you know, due to our uh, subsidiary or something like that over in Israel.
0: Okay. All right. Thank you for your call. All right. Welcome to the George Wanda Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. And we're going to do something about your health. A lot of people have belly fat. And it's just that nagging belly fat, right? So we're going to, we have this, we'll hope that it helps even myself. I've got to lose some of this belly fat because it's, it's totally, totally sort of unattractive. I'm not really, really that bad, but I don't want it to get any worse. So i better jump on top
2: of it. How to lose belly fat in a single night. Each of us has some belly fat, even people who have flat tummies. That is normal, but too much of it can affect your health stronger than other types of fat. Being overweight does not always mean being unhealthy. There are many great examples of overweight people who have excellent health. On the contrary, there is the same amount of examples of people who are skinny but face some metabolic issues. All that happens because the -the under-the-skin fat does not cause so many health problems. It causes only discomforts from the cosmetic point of view, doesn't it? The real monster is the fat in the abdominal cavity, also known as the belly fat. Not only does it bring you health problems, but also it is one of the most difficult types of fat to get rid of. Hence, belly fat is more than just an irritant that makes your clothes feel tight. How can it bring health problems? You might ask. Here is the answer. Some fat is there right under your skin while other is deep inside around your organs, liver, heart, lungs. This type of fat is called visceral fat, and this is the very type which is bad even for slim people. Well, don't get disappointed so fast. We do need some of visceral fat, though. Guess why? Yes, because it acts as cushions around your organs. But again, you should know the measure, because too much of it can cause high blood pressure, heart diseases, and even some types of cancers. Now, how to know if you have too much of belly fat? There's a straightforward way to do it. Get a measuring tape and put it around your waist. Did it? Now you can check your girth. Keep in mind that you should do it while you're in standing position, not sitting, okay? It will be easier if you start and finish at your belly button. That will give you measurements that are more precise. Now, if you are a woman and your waist size is less than 35 inches, relax, everything is fine. However, if it is more than 35 inches, then you definitely should consider this diet, the secret of which we are going to reveal very soon. And if you're a man, then the waist size less than 40 inches sounds pretty okay, while more than 40 inches should alarm you, and the diet would be a good way out. Moreover, there are two types of shapes. A pear size when the hips and thighs are bigger than your waistline, and an apple size when your waistline is wider than your hips and thighs. In fact. A pear size is considered safer than an apple size. Why? An apple size shows that you have too much of belly fat, which means that you have too much of visceral fat in your body. So, if your measurements show that you have too much of extra fat around your waistline, even if you are not obese or heavy, then you should consider some ways to say goodbye to it. Sounds like an uphill task, huh? Don't give up that fast. You'll be surprised to know that this task can be accomplished within one day. In this video, we are going to show you an outstandingly effective and quick way to lose belly fat. And not only it. Have you ever tried dieting before? Probably yes. Therefore, you know how exhausting it might be. This diet will not only make your belly flat, but also it will help you to lose unnecessary weight and burn those nasty calories. Moreover, you will get a purified body as a result. Intrigued? The diet consists of smoothies, juices, and teas. An extra amazing thing for tea lovers all this stuff acts as a drink detox that additionally cleanses your body very fast that will give you a boost of energy and the most important thing is that you will know the way of getting a flat stomach and will be able to use it whenever it is required so are you ready to hear the most amazing diet ever here's how you can do it you should start right in the morning 8 a.m. drink a glass of warm water with some lemon juice in it good start after a couple of hours take another glass of warm water with apple or orange juice in it. Do you find it interesting? Then at noon, get yourself a cup of green tea. Not bad. After an hour, you should drink a glass of cold water with carrot juice in it. At 3 p.m., take a cup of your favorite tea. Do you like it so far? At 5 p.m., have a glass of your favorite juice. That might be your favorite part of the diet. After another couple of hours, take one more cup of green tea. At 9 p.m., grab a glass of water with grapefruit juice in it. We are almost there. Finally, after another hour at 10 p.m., you should finish the diet the way you started it. Have a glass of warm water with some lemon juice in it. The important thing is that you're not supposed to add any artificial ingredients to your drinks. It is probably hard to believe, but your tummy will become flat in just 24 hours. Moreover, your body will get rid of all the toxins. So, what are you waiting for? Let's start it tomorrow. Do you know any other amazing diets? Share them in the comment section below. Don't forget to share your results in the comments as well. Don't forget to hit the like button below the video and click subscribe to join us on the bright side of life.
0: You bet I will, thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, the George Wilder Jr. Show has now arrived. says that Trump's Mar-a-Lago is a symbol of corruption. I'm assuming just like the White House. He's saying that Mar-a-Lago, where Trump goes to vacation, play golf, fuck off, he's saying that Mar-a-Lago is a symbol of corruption. Someone who who worked there, probably. Ex-White House ethics chief. I mean, It's not nothing, this is not no new revelation. Donald Trump is full of corruption. Donald Trump has been corrupt before he even, before he ever became president, he was corrupt. So this is nothing new, but it just adds another layer to how messed up, screwed up, out of whack things are during his presidency. And this is just another layer of of garbage. You know, the former director of the Office of Government Ethics says Trump's uh, Mar-a-Lago resort is a symbol of corruption. Uh, It's nothing new. Trump is corrupt as the day you're born. But yet he gets away with it. And the only reason why he gets away with all this corruption, crime, the lies, the BS, the garbage, is because the Republicans... Congress, they are complicit. They are just as bad as he is. If that, had been a, if that would have been a um, uh, uh, Democratic Congress, Trump would have been gone a long time ago. But the Republicans are just as complicit. I hope when Mueller comes, Robert Mueller comes with the handcuffs, I hope he comes with more than one pair. Because we got a lot of uh, guys and girls in Congress, Republicans, who are uh, just as guilty as Donald Trump, aiding and aiding and abetting someone who has broken the Constitution over and over and over again, and doesn't give a fuck, and care, thinks we're crazy for talking about it, you know. But he's being sued. Uh, there's his ass that's coming, but. Donald Trump, uh, he, he finds a way to pay these things off. Sticks one of these uh, uh, disclosure forms in front of you and say, sign it and don't talk about this. Hush money, as Stormy Daniels. Yeah, so this is nothing surprising to any of us. He gets away with with murder. And this shouldn't be, it shouldn't be. Someone, someone should be walking into that White House and arresting this guy, taking him to prison. I don't want to see Donald Trump impeached. I want to see him go to prison, go to jail, rot in jail. And you know what? I don't think he's the billionaire that everybody thinks he is. Because if Donald Trump was a billionaire, I don't think he would have no problem showing us his taxes of course he doesn't pay any he doesn't pay them and he hasn't paid them and he will not pay them but he will use our taxpayer money for his golf outings at his resort mar largo and everyone that he picks for the cabinet are crooks they don't know what they're doing his cabinet picks are crooks ben carson he don't know a damn thing about what he's doing Betty, Betty uh, DeVos, the education secretary, she doesn't know a damn thing about what she's doing. He hires people who don't know nothing about nothing and give them these sensitive positions, these sensitive jobs. And I've said this a thousand times before. The only thing that these people are hired to do that Donald Trump picks, chooses and hires for these cabinet posts, Their job mainly, even if they don't know a damn thing, and and they don't, their job mainly is to eliminate. We haven't heard much lately about the wall that he's supposed to be building on the uh, Mexican, between Mexican and California, the border there. We haven't heard much about that. Remember when he was on this on a campaign in, in the early part of his presidency, all he talked about was Mexico paying for the wall, Mexico paying for the wall, Mexico's, Mexico's president shot back, we're not paying for a damn thing, and they haven't paid so far. What makes Trump think <laughs> thinks he could have got Mexico to pay for a wall to keep their own people out of America? I guess he thinks people are supposed to be afraid of him, supposed to do what he wants them to do when he's an idiot himself. You know, so um, I don't think Donald Trump is going to resign. A lot of people saying, well, he's going to resign. There's so much, uh, so many lawsuits up his ass. Everybody's coming after him. Everybody's trying to do this and do that. He's got so much, so much shit swirling around him. Donald Trump doesn't feel any of this stuff. He's a narcissist. He doesn't feel any of this stuff. It may make it, it, I think actually it makes him more emboldened, you know, and he thinks he's above the law. I'm hearing that he's going to try and uh, instead of uh, instead of sitting down and answering questions that Mueller, I think it's 49 questions uh, that Mueller has uh, crafted up for him. He's saying that he's going to take the fifth. Now why would anybody take the fifth? Donald Trump railed real harsh about someone taking the fifth uh during his uh, I believe during his uh campaign run for president. He said he said something to this. He said anybody who takes the fifth is hiding something. <laughs> and lo and behold, he's presumably, allegedly, is going to take the fifth. Michael Cohen, his personal lawyer, has taken the fifth. So why not the president taking the fifth? And he said a few months back, anyone who takes the fifth is hiding something. So therefore, what can you think on that? You think that they're hiding something? Of course. Of course they're hiding something. Donald Trump would go down in history as the worst president ever, and he doesn't give a damn because he's a narcissist. He's, he's going to feel that everybody who hates him, that we have it wrong. Even though he's, there's been documentation, proven documentation, that he has told over 3,000 lies, 3,000 lies, and counting. he's still telling them, uh, this guy is just a mess. And I'm hearing that some, some, um, Republicans are refusing to support him for the 2020, uh, for his 2020 reelection, if he makes it to the midterms in the first place. And if he does make it to the midterms, uh, the the Democrats are going to take over. And, um, we want him impeached, but if Nancy Pelosi becomes the um, the House Speaker in 2020, November 2020, she's pledging not to impeach Donald Trump. So she may not <laughs> she may not get the job because a lot of Democrats want to see Donald Trump impeached. I do. In so many ways, I want to see him impeached. I just want to see him out of office. But most of all, I want to see him go to jail. Impeachment is just a slap on the wrist to Donald Trump. If Donald Trump was impeached, he'd blame the system. He'd blame everybody for this, blame people for that. He would never blame himself. He would never blame his presidency. He would never blame the job that we've given him. He would never blame his actions. He would never put fault on his zillions of lies. Proven lies, they are proven lies, and he's still lying. And he's out there right now trying to tell people who to vote for. And I've said this: I've said if Donald Trump tells you who to vote for, that's the person to vote for. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio, and as I've said, um, uh. Ex-White House ethics chief uh, calls uh, Trump's mar a lago a symbol of corruption. And I've said this a thousand times, the, re- the entire Republican Party in 2018, this is a corrupt empire of politicians. They are so corrupt. Every last one of them, there might be a few good ones left. But the majority of the Republicans in the United States in this year of 2018 are corrupt. They're criminals. They're aiding and abetting, and they should never, ever be voted back into office. No president was ever like Donald Trump. Donald Trump's trying to change the tradition of the White House. He's trying to change that's the tradition of how presidents um, govern. He wants to change everything because he thinks he's the smartest person in the room and he's not, he's the dumbest person in the room. He's the most stupidest person in the room and he's our president. Can you get get to that? Wow. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show, and I thank the the callers for calling in. And uh, uh, this is the uh, month of May, yeah, the early part of May. If you're listening to the show, it will be a little earlier or later, whichever way you want to take it. And I've said this before, be nice to each other out there. Be kind, be nice, and make sure you vote. We've got to get these people out. because the Republicans think that it's not going to be as bad as we're saying it's going to be. They're thinking that the blue wave is not going to be as blue <laughs> as a lot of us are saying it's going to be. But if you're feeling the pulse of the American people, they, are, they want this nightmare presidency of Donald Trump to be over, to be over. And if you're a Trump supporter out there listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show, I say, hey, great. Listen on. But I'm not going to um, sugarcoat anything. I think under America, America, uh, uh, Donald Trump has faltered. I think he's an embarrassment. I think he's a liar. I think he's a pathetic liar. He lies directly to your face. And then he goes out and hires this bum, Rudy Giuliani, to make his life more miserable. Yeah, but, but I have to say, Donald Trump is a great distractor. He is one of the greatest distractors. If, if anything he's done since his presidency is to distract you, take your mind off of what you, off this scandal, To follow what he's doing over here. Every time there's a scandal or there's something crazy going on in his administration, and it's true, he tries to or he does divert your attention to something else. And we listen. We pay attention to his diversion because he's the president of the United States. He's the president of the United States. He's in our White House. He's supposed to be representing America. Trump doesn't represent America, he represents himself. He makes money off being in the White House. He makes money off taxpayers that he stuffs into his bank account. And he gets away with it because the Republicans are doing the same thing. And I've, I've said this to a guest the other night, One of the reasons why the Republicans will not uh, 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 impeach Donald Trump, throw him out of office, is because they want Donald Trump to sign whatever legislation they come up with. They know Donald Trump will sign anything that they put in front of him because they know he's a buffoon. They know he's crazy. They know he's mentally sick. They know he's unfit for the job, but he's president. So. If they come up with legislation uh, eliminating food stamps, eliminating health care, eliminating uh, other social programs, they're going to put it right in front of Donald Trump. He's going to sign a little book booklet. And he's going to raise it up and show it to the world. Look, I signed this uh, taking away ending education or something. You know. Yeah, he's an embarrassment, but he doesn't think he's an embarrassment. He's stupid, but he doesn't think he's stupid. And he is making a big buck off taxpayers, our money, because Donald Trump doesn't care what we think. He doesn't give a damn what we think. He's awful. We need to get him out. He should leave. He's he's not doing a good job. Donald Trump doesn't care what you think about him. It just emboldened him a little bit more. Even if you mention Trump's name in a negative way, Somehow, Trump Donald Trump himself feels as if that's some kind of victory because you mentioned his name, even though you you know said some negative things using his name. But he feels that just by using his name, he won the he won the whole thing. The argument is is over and done. Okay, uh, you li- <laughs> you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on uh uh. On Block Talk Radio, yeah, Block Talk Radio. I, I want to welcome some of the new listeners out there. Some of the uh, the other media outlets that this show is in. I mean, we're all over the world, and we're in a lot of the uh, a, a lot of other uh, media outlets have picked up this show. Yeah, they picked it up. They're not giving me a cent, but they picked up the show, which is good. I, I think that that's great in itself. All right, how to talk to your child. Let's see what this is about. This is uh, something new.
3: Hi, I'm Cheryl Jackson. Welcome to Your Voice. Today, we're talking about how to talk to your kids. I hope you can hear that. It sounds so basic and you're probably thinking, I talk to my children all the time. So no problem, right? But are you communicating effectively? Do you feel sometimes that you're talking at your child instead of with? Is it sometimes like pulling teeth to get the information you need? And when you challenge your kids on this, do they tell you it's because you don't listen anyway? If this sounds like some of the conversations that go on in your household, don't panic. It happens to all of us. But we can learn to talk to each other in a way that is open, honest, respectful, and gets results. I'm joined by two people in studio who can help us get there. Jennifer Kalari is a child and family therapist and author of Connected Parenting, Transform Your Challenging Child and Build Loving Bonds for Life. Also in studio is Katherine Wakelin. She's a professional facilitator, a consultant, and author of the book, Talk About Anything With Your Kids, An Easy Guide to Great Conversations. Welcome to both of you. Thank you for being here today. Now, before we get started, you both have children, Mm -hmm. right? So I'm assuming what we're talking about has been home-tested.
4: Oh, true yes. <laughs> yeah
3: okay okay so we have confidence in this um, why is it so hard to talk to our kids sometimes
5: you know I think sometimes our own agenda really gets in the way so if our children are upset with us or they're feeling sad about something it's hard for us to hear those things so we fix and we try to solve the problem too quickly and then our child experiences that we're not listening to them we're not giving them that moment to really say what they're feeling so
4: hmm well the other thing you have to remember too is we expect our children to grow and develop and change over the years but not many parents expect that they're going to have to do the same and the way we communicate needs to evolve over the years what are
3: the most common problems Catherine that parents face in their communication with their kids? Well, they get stuck in a style. I like to say when parents have
4: a baby, a very young baby, it's like a monarch phase. The child just gazes up at them with that loving look and everything they they say goes. That's the the best. It's the best. They're in total control and it really doesn't last very long. As soon as that child starts speaking a little bit, uh, parents tend to move into what I like to call the dictator phase. And again, it's not a bad thing, it's just the way it is. We have to teach our children and keep them safe, and we're constantly telling them, do this, don't do that, it's time for this, go to bed now, eat this, don't touch that, you'll get hurt. And we're constantly issuing instructions. And parents tend to get stuck in that dictator phase. But kids continue to grow and develop, and they develop ideas of their own, and they have thoughts and experiences that the parents don't know about. And then they hit a time when they need their parents to take a more facilitative approach. Well, why do parents get stuck there? there? Is it, it easy? Does it work? It's easy. It, well, it's very effective with toddlers and small uh-huh. children. You know, you say, don't do that. And it, it works to a point, but at the point where you start to get conflict, where kids start to push back.
5: Well, that can start really early. It I mean, can, can start. Work. That can start when they're How old. old. Absolutely. As soon as they have an, an opinion, something's not working, they'll let you know. Either if they don't have language, they'll let you know with tantrums, with crying, sure. behaviors of communication. It's so interesting what you're saying about babies because when I um, talk to parents about a technique called the calm technique, which is what I teach parents to, to help them communicate, is when you have an infant, um, what happens is when you interact with that baby and you're saying, oh my goodness, mm-hmm. look at you, there are neural pathways forming in the brain. And the the infant brain uses the adult brain to regulate itself and to get organized so without an adult brain the brain won't develop at all right so it's quite a natural thing to be very in tuned to yeah. it's called mirroring mirror our babies and then around language acquisition we start to tell them what to do and that what they're thinking and what they're feeling isn't necessarily what we think so why do we lose that at some point then or, or or do we i think it's natural i think when language becomes a primary way that children mm. communicate we tend to use language to communicate back and it's all about message delivery. So if, let's say your babies come out of the bath and they're freezing cold, and they're four months old. You're not going to say, "Oh, you're fine. Cut it out. You'll be okay." You're going to say, "Oh my goodness, look at you. You're cold." When your two-year-old gets out of the bath and is screaming, "I don't want to get out. I'm cold," right. you say, "You're fine. Here you go. Ha- Here's a towel. You're going to be okay." But they're feeling like they're not going to be okay, so right. they're sending a message, and we're not hearing the same message. So we bounce back a different message. Do from we what expect them to us. be able
3: to? Say- we do. They do. We expect them to be able to listen to us say you're okay.
5: And, I think and they'll, so. they'll yeah. accept Absolutely. But we think about it. If when we're upset, when right. we've had a terrible day and we go home to our spouse and say, oh, you won't believe what happened today. This person did that. And if, if our spouse is saying things like, well, that's nothing. Wait till you hear what happened to me. Or why don't you just do this right. or that? We're left with a feeling of, oh, well,
3: yeah. that's not okay. what I wanted.
5: Well, Catherine, how do we know when we're
3: making mistakes as parents in our communication?
4: But, you know, we've got the best feedback mechanism
6: possible. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> they just, roll their eyes? Yeah, just, they just walk what's away? coming
4: back from the kids? i like to say the first sh- shock for a parent is the first time, before children even have language, they turn their head away from the spoon of strained peas. Mm-hmm. You know, that first act of defiance, it's usually shocking. And then also as a toddler, the first time that, that defiant, full-stance, full-fisted um, full fisted no uh, to what we say is shocking to parents. But there are, those are very obvious signals, but there are lots of subtle ones. And when your child starts arguing with you more and pushing back, it's a sure sign that the communication isn't balanced sufficiently for the child.
3: All right. Well, how do we start improving our conversations with our kids?
4: Well, the first thing I like to say
3: to parents is
4: coming out of the dictator phase, it's a lot of talking and not a lot of listening. You know, a lot uh-huh. of observing of your child, but not necessarily a lot of listening. So parents have to develop, have to learn to give their children a voice. Just like the show's called Your Voice, right. we have to give our children a voice. It's not a, a lot of parents push back and say, well, if we give them too many choices, we'll never you know, get out the door. We're not saying give them age uh, inappropriate choices, but give them age-appropriate choices so they feel they have a say in things. And then the parent has to be willing to let their child negotiate. I think that's one of the most underrated uh, skills we can teach our kids is how to negotiate things.
3: Right. And well, now you come at this from a facilitator point of view, right? I that's mean, right. I you, mean, you worked with adults. Or you still do. I still do. Right. How does that transfer to kids then? Is it the same as being in a boardroom? Or? You know, the issues are the same. Mm-hmm. People
4: often uh, have me come into a group that's working on something very mm-hmm. difficult. It could be a merger, a, a project that's gone off the rails. And the issues are the same. You can see all of the dysfunctions in the group are the same in the home. When people start not behaving well in meetings, start pushing back, start being very argumentative, being passive-aggressive, pulling back, it's all the same thing. It all comes back to a desire to be heard and understood. And when people, adults and children alike, don't feel that they're being heard or understood, they start to show signs.
3: Okay. The signs
4: may be a little different, but the underlying cause is the same.
3: All right. Now, Jennifer, you talk in your book, and I know in your practice a lot about Mm -hmm. mirroring. Mm -hmm. Can you describe what that is and how that fits into all of this? Absolutely. Well,
5: and mirroring is really, it's a therapy technique, actually. Mm -hmm. It's not really a parenting technique at Mm -hmm. all. Um, it's a bit counterintuitive, because when someone's angry or when someone's upset, you feel like you should be talking, talking them out of it, or you feel like you should be making them feel better. True. But what happens is they keep sending the same message. I'm upset that this is happening. If we send the message back, oh, but it's going to be okay, we'll fix it for you, they're still not able to get that message out. So it really has to do with empathy. It has to do with really deeply listening and showing real compassion. Can you empathy. give me some examples? Absolutely. So I, so let's, take, let's take a little one who doesn't want to put a raincoat on. Here's a classic. So mm. it usually goes something like this. Sweetie, put your raincoat on. No, no, I don't want to put my <laughs> raincoat on. And we say, honey, put your raincoat on, please. No, I'm not putting it on. And let's say they have to have the raincoat on, because obviously it's, you could be picking rainy. your battles, but mm. let's say you've decided they have to wear it. And we start saying, put it on, or I'll count to three, or why do you always do this to me? And you're running around trying to get her into the raincoat as you're running, chasing her around the house. That's usually how that goes, and it usually escalates. She has an agenda. I'm not wearing that. You have an agenda. Yes, you are. Right. And off it goes. Right. So if you were to mirror that, you would take a second, you take a breath, and you go, you know what? Raincoats are bunchy, and they're hot, and they don't feel very good. I'm four years old, and you feel like you should be making your own decisions. Suddenly, you're getting this. You're getting nodding. And what's really interesting is about 85 to 90 percent of the time, if you mirror properly, it will diffuse the child right away. In fact, little opiates and endorphins release in the brain when you mirror properly.
3: It, it almost sounds like a door is being, like a floodgate is being opened yeah. so that it's they can go. It's being heard. Is that something you can learn, or is this
5: something that you, you are sort of naturally good at or not? You can absolutely learn it. Yeah. I teach it to parents all the time, and it's it's very, I mean, it takes some practice. Yes. And it certainly sounds simple, uh, but when you practice it, you'll find that it's you know it's a little more complicated. It's right. very
3: powerful. I think most parents do, though, when they want to start a conversation with their kids, they ask a question. Yeah, I mean, I know, how was your day today? Or, you know, what did you do at school today? Those sorts of things. Does that work? Catherine, I'll ask you first.
4: I I get a lot of questions about the after school question. How was school? (laughs) Right. Fine, or they'll they'll say something negative. And it's usually the same response to that Mm -hmm. question. And I say, that's a bad question because that's equivalent to how are you, which is basically a form of hi, how you doing? Yeah. Right? There's just no response other than fine or lousy. It's a one word question, so it's not a good question. And I often, kids when they come home from school, it's probably one of the worst times to ask them how their day was. They need to come in and wind down, just like adults do. The, the last thing you do when you get home is want to start talking a lot. We need right. a little wind-down time. So I think it's better to ask more specific questions, you know, of, of your child, depending on their age, right. about something specific that you know is happening at school, or about one of their friends. Say, hey, I haven't heard you talk about Bobby for a while. Right. Like, What's he up to these days? Okay, which forces them to give you an answer yeah. that they can flesh out.
3: Yeah. Well, I, I'll give you one quick example and then we'll go to a question from a parent. But when my son was young, in maybe grade one or two, uh, I would say, do you have any homework? at the end of the day and he'd say that's the wrong question to ask yeah. he'd say the question is what homework do i have because yeah. he he had homework every night sure. so he sure. was very annoyed by the question actually and if i found a way to ask it properly he would answer me
4: i'd say a better way to do that is around the dinner table sure and just ask the kids just as you're eating and casually so you're not you know eyeballing them and just right. say, you know especially with younger kids what was the best thing that happened today? And okay. um, what was the worst thing that happened today? All right. And that's going to give you great information. Okay. The middle part, you don't care about as much.
3: All right, well, we sent our producer Karen out to ask parents if they had any questions for you on our show. And we heard something from one mom, so let's have a listen.
6: Hi, my name's Andrea. And I have a son Nicholas and he's in grade 6 and every day he comes home from school and I ask him how was your day at school and basically I just get
4: oh it was good and I'm trying to break through that and uh, I need a little bit more information from him and I'm asking you how can I do that how can I facilitate that any better
3: all right and i think that mother's son is a bit older i i, I don't think he's that young but could you give me
5: some specific yes, questions yeah. she might ask uh, one of the things we tend to do is we, we machine all right question. what's, mm-hmm. how was your day? what's yeah. going on what's happening and when someone talks to you like that it, it makes you back up and and older children often give you the half answer the oh like they can't even be bothered <laughs> yeah. making words come out right. of their mouth um, so i mean the best thing to do if you've been doing that a lot and your child is not answering just say you know every day i ask you how school is and every day you say it's fine and I just feel like I'm not answering the question right. I'm not asking the question properly. What, how can we How can we start a conversation so I can hear more about what's going on in your life because I love you and just see what happens mm-hmm. then. Just sort of more open-ended and more from an um, an empathy point of view versus an information-gathering right. session. Right,
4: okay. And I'd say for uh, any parent, you think through a little bit. What do you really want to know? Mm-hmm. Do you want to know if they're struggling with the subject? Do you want to know if it's... Uh, the child has developing friends or has social problems or if there's bullying in school, or if there are issues. What are you really after? And understanding what you want to know allows you to frame a question in a better way. So if you think they might be struggling with the subject and you don't know about it, well how about asking a question like, uh, you know, what what subject is toughest this year? And mm-hmm. and then they'll say, oh it's it's uh, science. And then you can say, well, well why is that? Is it the teacher? What are you studying? Right. Well, what are you finding tough about it? And then you can delve into really what you want to know so if September. it's everything over time again I wouldn't do it all in one uh-huh. night but think about what you really want to know about your child's
5: day and find a way to ask probing questions to get to that. Well,
6: well, all right. I should I add, add to you
5: that good. what's really important is and it's important to know why you're asking the question but sometimes if your agenda is driving the questions kids are so smart mm. I know where you're going with this line of questioning so you really well, want to make sure I you're also checking well, your agenda well, and being really empathic and and taking it from the point of view, I want to understand my child. I really okay, want to yeah. understand. And it sounds like
3: honest way. as well. Oh, I mean, both absolutely. of you are saying, yeah. you know, oh, if, yeah. you, if you want to know about something specific, kids ask are about so that and try to get around oh, it. it. Yeah. Um, in terms of, of when is the right time to okay. talk to your children, yeah. you, you said probably after, after gone school, gone school isn't the best time to drive home yeah. some of these questions. In the car
5: is sometimes In the car. You know, lots of great conversations. Captive car. Well, the kids talk more in the car for some reason. I don't know why. Unless there's friends in the back seat. Why do they talk in the car?
4: Because you're not looking at them. That's a good point. That that before, too. We, we're comfortable. we yeah, do that as right. a facilitator, as we, we use a flip chart, important. yes to record things, at, mm-hmm. also cool. to prove we've heard. But the other thing you'll you know find why, is that people uh, will talk to the chart instead of looking wait, at me in the eye. And it's much more comfortable if they're talking evacuate. about something that's a bit difficult. In the way. car, your eyes are not looking <coughs> yes. into the yes. eyes yes. of your child. That's oh. interesting. And they it's a little bit safer environment. And that's okay. why, especially with older nope. children, great yeah. place. Tough time's
5: a wonderful time.
3: Oh, okay. All right. What about dinner time? I know we try to eat dinner together every night, but I actually don't feel like it's a great time to sometimes bring up things that might be a little bit dicey, is it? It's,
5: it's, I mean, it's lovely to have positive, pleasant conversations. The more positivity goes around with eating and, and that family time, I think, is important. But it's often not a time where kids want to talk about difficult things, or they're embarrassed because their siblings are there. And it may not be a time to really get into too many, too many issues. Keep it light. Keep it open-ended. What's funny today? Tell me something hilarious that happened. Just sure. Sort of now, when, when to- topics are difficult. You know,
3: maybe something has happened at school, or there's an issue with a friend, or I mean, it could be countless things. How do you get your child to participate in a conversation they know is probably going to be unpleasant? Well, the
5: the only way you're going to do that is by being a good listener. If you're not being a good listener, they're not going to talk to you. If they sense too strong an agenda on your part, they're going to close down. So if it's coming from an empathic place and you, you really want to understand them, they'll talk to you. Um, and you have to sort of, you know, openly, you know, be open-ended, I guess. You don't want to answer, ask questions they can answer yes or no to. Um, and then just really give them, show them that you're working. You're working hard in that conversation. There's nothing more that you want than to understand their point of view. And that's, that's absolutely a delicious yeah. feeling. Mm-hmm. It's a wonderful feeling. And I couldn't agree more. I, I run focus groups with kids, asking
4: them just simple questions. What do you or, and do you, you not like about or. how your parents talk to you? I don't know and what do you respond. and do you not yeah, like about what your, how your parents listen to you? If you could change one thing, what would what it be? And if that thing changed, how would your life change?
6: Mm-hmm. And in almost
4: do? every case, the dominating uh, thing that kids say is they can't get their parents' undivided attention. So they're how? competing, their parents doing the dishes, do they're like saying, that. I'll talk later, or they, they can't get the full mm-hmm. attention of their parents. So their parents are kind of listening You know we say people do things off the side of their desk. Parents are listening off the side of their desk, and children take that very seriously. What we say is almost less important than how we behave and our actions. The observation of what we do and how we act is so critical, so if how we're acting is, I really don't have any time to listen to what you say, it won't be long yeah. before that so child turns to their you. peers for their you're primary okay. listening you're audience. And once that for... starts, it's hard to get it back.
5: You're gonna, the the you're other flip gonna side to that is if you're over listening like this, yes. what's wrong? Yes. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I know something's wrong, then they're going right. to be like, whoa, okay, mom is either right. too upset gonna or to she's so not going to be able to handle what I have to tell her. So they either protect the parent or the, it's just it just adds to the, how overwhelmed their they're feeling. So you really have to have a, a caring but neutral stance in a way. Yeah, right, um, but
3: what if conversation? What if it's I not to, neutral? What if you I'm have something that you need your understand. child to do mm-hmm. or change in their behavior well, or at school, really something it. like that, and you know, know that you have you a mean, direction that your child so, that you really want them to follow? So I teach something and called the
5: calm technique, which is really how to use the mirroring technique in a conversation. So the first thing you do is you look at them and you focus, and you look at them and you put everything down that's around you. Um, And then you match their affect. This This is a very, very important thing. So there's active listening and effective listening that's out there, and that's when you say, you know, it must be very difficult for you or it sounds like that must be hard. That's an okay technique. There's nothing wrong with that. But when it has those observatory words, kids go, oh,
0: she's trying to figure
5: something out here. She thinks she knows something about how I'm feeling. So you really want to match their affect. So let's say your child comes home and they've been bullied and they're really upset about it, or, they, or they're angry with you because you've asked them to do something that they don't want to do, get off the computer or something. Um, you have to match their affect and say, you're having a great time on this game. You love this game. You're at level six. It took you forever to get there. I totally get why you want to stay on this computer, but you know it's... All right, thank you
0: problem. very much, ladies. So Down, you start- too loud, probably. Thank you very much, man. the secrets to burn stubborn belly fat if anybody out there has a secret to burning stubborn belly fat let me know because i guess as you get older and as you age you gain weight and and sometimes uh, i've been fighting this belly fat for i don't know for a long time and it is stubborn it doesn't want to go away and when you see yourself on tape or on film you say wow you just have to do something right because you know some people um I mean, just because you're overweight or uh, you have be- uh, uh, belly fat doesn't mean that you're unhealthy. And that's a myth. That's a myth that you're unhealthy because you are fat. A lot of people out here are really, really, they're overweight, but they are very, very healthy. Now, if you got some skinny people, <laughs> they are the ones with the problems, you know, but um uh, but but let's not kid ourselves, okay? I mean, being overweight uh, means uh, cancer, uh, diabetes, uh, heart disease. Let's, let's uh, not kid ourselves, okay? So uh, I know there's a lot of people out there listening to the show who are in great, great shape. There's a lot of people who listen to the show who probably need to pick up their exercising or dieting for a little, little bit and i i'm no um i'm no exception folks i'm no exception you know so it it is something that i'm going to be talking about on the, on the show i'm going to try and get people to come on to talk about this issue of belly fat because uh you know uh america's obesity rate is out of control i'm pretty sure you know that obesity in 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 America is a phenomenon, a global phenomenon. And a lot of people who are obese and overweight, it's going to um, do a lot of things that are bad for your body. And I've said this before, uh, uh, just a minute ago, uh, uh, being overweight is not a death sentence. A lot of people are overweight and they're healthy. A lot of people who are exercising every day, uh, dieting, if they can, uh, um, are healthy. But there is one thing that that uh, put there's one thing that puts a lot of weight on people, and that's hanging around the house, and that's hanging around a refrigerator, <laughs> uh, that's hanging around the house, or being, you know, stuck in the house with plenty of food around that is (laughs) that that's one of the keys to gaining a lot of weight meaning especially seniors and people who are work 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 in the house their jobs are in, in their home and uh and there's a refrigerator full of food there's cabinets busting out at the seams with all kinds of goodies and that's Uh, I think, is one of the reasons why people are so overweight. There's so much food, so much abundance of food available. You know, available. And and a lot of people actually do not like exercising. I I couldn't believe that. But there are so many people who do not like exercise. They see exercise as a chore. And some people uh, will tell you, I don't exercise, and they make it sound like it's some sort of a, good thing that they don't exercise but that's the dumbest thing you can do is not exercise i mean that's one even if you're grossly overweight you should exercise it's still beneficial you know Um, because exercise is one of the main components for losing weight you don't have to you don't have to do anything strenuous you can do a 30 to 40 minute, maybe an hour long walk depends on how what what your condition is and you can do that every day and cut down on what you're eating and uh, that'll do it but you get these people out here saying that uh you can bust your belly fat overnight i don't believe that i really don't believe it i'll listen to it now say hey wow that's great if it's true but uh, you got these professional nutritionists out here saying that in some cases you can bust all your belly fat overnight. I don't believe that. I would, I, I would kind of want to hear something like maybe in a couple of weeks, a month, six months, but overnight, give me a break. If it, if your belly is hanging, <laughs> I mean, it's not going to go away overnight, no matter how much tea you drink. You know, but it, it but you know, anything is. Um, anything uh, you can try anything. Yeah, every people try it. If, if they say it, if these professionals say that it can happen, maybe you could you should try it. It might work because you know, one of the things is our metabolism is everybody's have a different kind of a metabolism. So what works for your body may not work for my body, and what works for my body may not work for his or her bodies. So I'm not gonna advocate. Do not try some of these things if you uh, possess stubborn belly fat. Just belly fat, not, nothing else. You know, you, you're you in shape everywhere else. It's just that that belly pokes out there. And uh, all right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Black Talk Radio, just about 730. Folks, we're just about out of here. It's been great, uh, and I appreciate everybody for tuning in to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Uh, We're going to try and make this show the best show that we possibly can, because we do have listeners and they're all over the world. Uh, And I, as I've said before, I appreciate all my listeners, all the fans, all the people who give me um, accolades that some accolades I don't think I deserve. But um, thank you anyway. And you've been listening to The George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio.
7: Even help the roses, if the bombs begin to fall Never, never mm. help the black man, if he struggles one more day Even help the white man, if he turns back away Even help the man, who kiss, the man has
0: To the show. Have a great evening. Have a great weekend, whichever one comes first. <laughs> and bye bye, everybody.